The a priorian way. Are there are two realities, two ways of thinking, two fundamental philosophies that lead to two distinct ways of living? But, is there a way of living open to quantification? The two paths we know best are linked to two political viewpoints. However, this right and left division has no mathematical correlate. To be useful, political divisions would need to be quantifiable. Kilometers and miles tell us the distance we have traveled. Kilometers are a precise number. Grams and pounds tell us how much articles weigh. Weights are precise, as are scales measuring temperature, pressure, and so on. But how do we measure progress or the development of culture? Liberals suggest we rate cultures by the freedoms they provide, as if life was all about freedom. Such measures would seem to lead towards anarchy. Anarchy seems more similar to chaos than to freedom. Capitalism tells us cultural progress is all about accumulating money. Another way of depicting two different cultures is from the perspective of religion. The religious way of dividing reality lacks scientific rigor. Religions are based on ethical systems. Religious persons are guided by the legal precepts of their religion. The only alternative to religion is Christianity, which is a faith. The distinction is significant. The Bible describes the difference as one being the way of the flesh and the other, the way of the spirit. Religions start from the assumption that reality is physical, but the Bible tells us only the spirit is real. Religious persons do works of the flesh. Works of the flesh are actions done that seek a physical result. Religions assume the world is as we see it, observable through the five senses. Works of the flesh are works of causality and phenomenology. Religious people derive their knowledge and purpose and values from the senses. Religions create their reality from the ground up in a process called a posteriorism. A posteriori reality is restricted to the information provided by the five senses. From the senses, a vision of what reality looks like is built up. None of these realities have been quantified in a way that would allow the objective observer to validate them or disqualify them. Without quantification of our indices, who can tell where we are going or how fast we are traveling? A priorians look at reality from the perspective of faith and what we can believe in. Works done in the spirit are works done from a position of faith. A priorian reality is logical and is derived from logic. A priorian reality and faith comes from logic. Works done in the spirit are logical and analytical. A priorians form missions when they work. A mission is an organized work of faith. Missions give a priorians purpose and faith give meaning to our actions. A priorian reality is analytical. When we work our work creates or enhances analytical harmony. Things must make sense, logically to be real. The way of the flesh leaves the religious dependent on physical forces. Law is an opinion given by a source of authority. Authority is the power to enforce a reality provided by law. Murder is illegal only insofar as the law coerces obedience to the law from those subject to it. One condition for the obedience of the people is the stipulation that those who make the law must be subject to it. This was not always so. The religious face a dilemma. 
If everything is in the flesh and nothing outside of the flesh, for everything in reality is in the brain, what is objectivity? What do we know and how do we validate knowledge if everything is derived from sense perceptions and dependent on electrical impulses generated by ganglia? Where is the objectivity? How does the brain validate its assumptions when it cannot go outside of itself to determine the validity of its perceptions? How do the senses register influences on the brain if the impulses that give us an impression of reality are dependent on the electrical activity of the brain? How is the brain aware of its activity if there must be brain activity that is aware of the electrical activity of the brain? Is electrical activity aware of its own activity? How is that possible? How does the brain observe itself? How is the brain, in reality? How is the brain part of an external objective reality, if reality is electrical activity happening in the brain? How does anything happen in the brain when everything is what is happening in the brain? How are we to divide subjective from objective, when everything is channeled through the physical senses, that is by means of the electrical activity of cells? The physical senses and the brain are specialized cells. Organs are nothing more than specialized cells juxtaposed. Specialized cells generate electrical impulses. That is reality, or at least the only reality we know, according to materialists. It is impossible to prove reality is anything more than the information we have about reality. Reality says something about the quality of the information we are being given, it says nothing about what exists outside of that information. The knowledge we have about reality, and how it works, is information about reality. The information is the only thing that is real. Knowledge is the only thing that exists or that can exist. There is no logical possibility of anything but knowledge having real existence. The concept of reality is a concept. Without the concept of reality, there is no reality. Information is not physical. The signals that are sent to the brain is only information if it is sent using a code that sentient beings can decode. But the information to decode the signal has to exist in the first place. A signal is just noise without it having been encoded in a way the decoder understands. The key word in this discussion is, understands. How does an a posteriori system turn electrical impulses into knowledge? Noise cannot be turned into information. Information is a qualitative factor. The signal is either encoded in a way that can be decoded or not. There is no extracting of information out of noise. By definition, noise does not contain information. Information contains no noise. The signal may be distorted by noise, but the information extracted from the signal separates the code from the random elements. Information is information and that is all it is, it is not something else. Information about color is what color is. One cannot claim we have a box, and this box contains information about the box. The box is the information, the information is the box. Reality is the concepts out of which it is composed. If we do not have any information about an event or an object, the event or object does not exist. Things exist as information. Without the information, the existence is absent. What exists must exist as information communicated to a sentient, being able to decode the signal. We have knowledge about what exists. 
We do not have knowledge about non-existing things. We do not have knowledge about noise or things that cannot be communicated. We cannot know about what cannot be conceptualized or turned into a decodable signal. We cannot know what is not known or knowable from what is known. Knowledge has to be communicated. We cannot know unless our knowledge is verified. But what validates knowledge but its own coherency? The meanings of our concepts must fit in with all possible knowledge. Knowledge is self-referential. Gravity exists as defined if our definition fits in with how we communicate to others what gravity is. We could say gravity is a force that causes people to fall when their weight is no longer supported. We could claim gravity is due to the curvature of space. What force is, and what curvature is, is what we define them to be. There is no force apart from our description of what it is, there is only our conception and description of force. The concept we defined might be useful only in a limited context. A concept might be part of a theory that does not fit in with other aspects of our knowledge, yet the concept has a use in a limited context. Newton's theory of gravity is true as described, but it is not true in the context of Einstein's theory. Only coherency matters. When our theory of gravity has become an integral part of our economics and psychology, then will our theory of gravity be validated in a serious way. The a priorian way is the shortest distance between two logical points. Mathematicians call this elegance. Another way of thinking about apriorism is that it refers to a theory that uses the fewest statements to get from premise to conclusion. In application, the journey to truth is a relay race or production line. Each participant acts as a specialist in a continuous production that produces a truth. The production or process is governed by the task of finding the truth, the interior coherency of the ideas employed, not by an ulterior objective. The context of the enterprise defines the purpose of the participants. Any other objective requires inputs from a management class, meaning, the state. The a priorian way is a digitalized system for plotting progress. The a priorian index computes savings. Wealth can be consumed or saved. The degree to which one occurs rather than the other depends on how we are organized. Progress comes down to a question about if we spend or invest our wealth. A simple culture consumes what it produces. It continues its traditions and culture, but it does not invest in the future of its people, except in the most rudimentary of ways. The state was created to force people to invest. The power of the state became a barometer of the success of the community. If the state was powerful, it could force investments. The level of investment determined the level of its civilization. But the state had no real metric to guide its activities, other than its own power. Often what was thought to be an investment turned out to be a level of consumption that crippled the state. The state could be as oppressive as it could be constructive. There was no real way to predict which path the state would take. The state invested in the accoutrements of power, but then could just as easily wage war against its own people as against foreign adversaries. It could destroy its own culture to build up a bureaucracy or create works of infrastructure that helped commerce and defense. The state was its own standard. The power of the state was the reward the state acquired for exercising its power as the state. The state was as God and was self-referential. 
Thus, there was a self-reinforcing cycle active here, in which a strong state gained the power to become stronger. If the state got its power from war, then it waged more war. If the state got its power from investing in its subjects, it would invest in infrastructure and defense. But both paths were self-limiting. Too much invested in war could create an indefensible border. Too much wealth put in private hands could lead to events like the fall of Rome. When things went bad for the state, they could go really bad really fast. Investing in the economy earns large dividends in peace, but may also attract a strong adversary who wants what your nation has and is willing and able to take it. The peaceful state can be conquered by a smaller, but more warlike state. The warlike state could create so many enemies it becomes impossible to defeat them all. There is no right answer in the Babylonian system. The state attempts to do what are contradictory and inconsistent things, such as build up the economy and enrich the people. Both are needed, but one conflicts with the other. Thus, Babylonian cultures always fail after a period. Let's assume we have a hundred persons all doing subsistence farming. Each grows their own crops and builds their own tools and are in fact, mostly self-sufficient. Think of the medieval period or the early West. There will be little or no saving as individuals being self-sufficient is an inefficient way of doing things. There is no benefit to saving money when there are no markets for goods and services. Possibly most people have no money to save. To save money, if it exists, in a subsistence economy, would only lower your standard of living below that of your neighbors. Accumulating money or other goods only gives one's neighbors something to be envious of and possibly steal. In a more complex economy individuals earn enough to save and invest. This is what separates subsistence from complex or developed markets. People save money, invest, and accumulate assets to increase their standards of living and along with this, personal wealth and power. To permit savings and wealth accumulation a state to protect the accumulated wealth must exist. Only with the inequality that comes with a state is inequality between individuals able to exist. The state attempts to balance the competing claims of security and freedom. Investments in defense and the market are made in varying amounts. The savings and investment activity of the state is sporadic and without clear objectives. No true investment strategy exists. In advanced economies private investments keep the economy going, while the state invests more in protection services. What we need to absorb is that if incompatible aims are pursued there are no right answers. There will always be conflict and second guesses. There is no objectivity when two equal, but opposite answers are equally possible. Dissension between supporters of the individual possibilities will always be present. Let's imagine the people who want the state to stay out of the economy, as much as possible, create a political party. To compensate, those who want the state to play a larger role in controlling the market and creating more security, create an alternative party. The probability is that the two parties will never reconcile their differences and may become increasingly opposed to each other. What these groups argue about is where to put surplus earnings. The issue is always about investments. We do not discuss consumption and the spending on necessities. The two realities or ways of thinking come down to which reality has the best investment strategy. 
The state has a strategy based on the exercise of power. The only means it has of validating what it does is the power it wields. So long as the opposition is doing no better than we are domestically, the state will persist. But, when a more powerful state arrives on the scene, the weaker state is overthrown. The interesting thing is that to measure something, something must exist to be measured. To measure progress, there has to be something called progress. Validation through quantification implies there is something real going on. It is real because it can be measured. It is not real as in physical reality terms, it is real in the way money is real, because it can measure something we cannot see, feel, taste, hear or smell. Progress is real, because it we can quantify it. Nothing is more real than numbers, because numbers are pure information. Society is moving from a lesser to a greater state. The advanced state is called civilization. The lesser state is viewed as primitive. Cultures that are not civilized do not progress. But civilization itself must undergo progress. If progress is to be measured in a quantified way, it is composed of an element that when multiplied, produces more of itself. Progress is tied up with economic development. All economic development is produced by specialization. Without specialization, there is no progress and no economic development. Progress is measured by how much specialization exists. Specialization is produced by investments of capital in a community. This makes people more productive. Investment turns laborers into machine operators. Progress is the result of investments into communities, often called infrastructure funding. There is a ratio between consumption and investment that leads to progress. But what is important is the rate at which per capita investment occurs. Civilization is the accumulated savings of a population. The purpose of a community is to create savings that permit investment. There is no other purpose for a community. If the community is not facilitating savings and investment, move. The savings created by increased specialization is applied to the formation of capital. Investments in capital increases specialization and increases the potential savings. In other words, if done right, the process of savings and investment with increased specialization creates a self-reinforcing cycle. Apriorian suggests a holding company be created. This company is given title to all commercial property and surplus assets. These are allocated to 12 departments. Each department specializes in a different economic sector. Investors are paid for any donations of commercial property. All work performed by members is paid for by the sector, which represents that occupation. Each sector employs all persons who work at occupations that come under the jurisdiction of that sector. If one sector has surplus employees or equipment, it is transferred to a sector where there is a shortage. Each sector specializes in a particular occupation. Each sector focuses on improving the level of specialization to reduce capital needs and increase savings. The savings are invested in capital accumulation and improved levels of specialization. Measuring progress is the same as measuring the rate at which a community civilizes. The unit of progress is the prefer, a contraction of preferred shares. The value of a prefer is one-fifteenth of the total production created in one hour per capita. 
Each sector or community looks at total productivity, divides this by the number of hours worked divided by 15. Because each worker is paid a living wage, set at 15.00 in this example, we can establish the level of savings and investment by recording these amounts in terms of prefer units. Despite this being a very truncated description of the process, it is enough to demonstrate a quantifiable standard is possible. Progress can be measured, and the measurement obtained using prefer units is a true measure of the rate at which our civilization is developing. The 12 Occupational Sectors 1. Defense 2. Transportation 3. Technology and Development 4. Communications 5. Energy Mines and Resources 6. Industry 7. Sales and Services 8. Construction 9. Health and Welfare 10. Education 11. Politics and Justice 12. Culture